0: The David Pakman Show at DavidPacman.com.
1: Okay, so um, many of you have asked me to talk about this. I've gotten dozens of emails, a handful of voicemails, a bunch of messages during live streams saying, David, you, you really need to investigate and talk about. Some of the claims that are being made by members of Congress and their staff that some aspect of the Trump riots suggests some kind of inside job or coordination either with members of Congress or um, uh, it with with law enforcement. And I think it's very important. It would be irresponsible for, for me not to say that at this point, what we have is a set of allegations, many of which are still being investigated and sort of nebulous. But This has come to a level where we should talk about it. So there's a few different things going on here. First of all, there have been concerning uh, patterns of posts and communications involving some right wing members of Congress, in particular, new Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. And it sort of exceeds the scope of this segment to go through the minutia piece by piece. But you can easily Google this and and sort of explore this path yourself, where uh, she appears to have been communicating and putting out information that could just be sort of generally supportive of the idea of of a, of a big protest, which is what Donald Trump is claiming he did. But it ended up inciting a riot or maybe based on her being pictured with some individuals that seem to be riot folks. Uh, maybe she was in some way connected or involved and there are sort of a number of allegations along that front. There is also the very disturbing allegation that has come from a Capitol Hill staffer that office panic buttons were removed in advance of the pro Trump riotous insurrection. Her name is Sarah Grow. She's the chief of staff of Democratic Congresswoman Ayanna Presley. And she said that she, along with others, uh, were taking refuge in Ayanna Presley's office as protesters and rioters flooded in and that they barricaded the door with furniture and they were in there. And then they looked for the panic buttons and the panic buttons were gone, uh, saying every panic button in my office had been torn out and saying they could not find any rationale as to why that took place saying they've used them before, that they had not switched offices and that there were panic buttons in that office, which were subsequently gone. Um, What is the explanation for that? We don't know. We we simply don't know at this point in time it's being investigated and it should be investigated. We also heard from Congressman James Clyburn and James Clyburn Clyburn explained, and I'm going to play a clip for you momentarily, that he has a marked office at the Capitol which says Congressman James Clyburn, that's that's his marked office. But that as majority whip, he uh, tends to work at an unmarked office in a different part of the building and that somehow the riders knew exactly where to go, even though it was an unmarked office. This is him explaining it. Take a listen to this.
2: The next part of this, which is what makes this even more troubling with what you were sharing with our folks this morning. Uh, part two of this, of what you were uh, reporting about, is talk about the damage to your offices. You have two different offices in the Capitol. Explain it to our viewers.
3: Well, I have an office in the Capitol, uh, which is in the so-called Lincoln Room, named after Abraham Lincoln. That office has my name on the door, and it has Majority Whip above the door, and it's just off of Statuary Hall. Anybody Mm
4: -hmm. walking
3: through Statuary Hall can see that office. Now, that's not where I do most of my work. Up on the third floor is where I do most of my work. And there are many members of the United States Congress right now who could not tell you where that office is and could not find that office if they needed to. (laughs) Yeah. I've been there. It's hard to find,
2: sir. I agree. It is not easy. Yes.
3: (laughs) Yeah. But they found it. Nobody touched the door uh, where my name uh, is, but they were on the floor and my staff was inside my inner office uh, with furniture piled at the door, with people trying to get in. They did not let them in. My question is, how did they know where that office was? That, to me, needs a thorough investigation. And I do believe uh, that... Uh, some sensitivities here. There were people uh, taken uh, um, selfish uh, with these insurrectionists. Something's wrong here.
1: Right. So, again, very troubling allegations. The explanation for which, you know, individually any of these stories might have some explanation that's relatively benign. I've not heard it yet. And so, I, I want to be, again, as I've said before. An unending, unsatisfiable, endless skepticism uh, gets us into conspiracy theory territory where both evidence for and lack of evidence and evidence against all is all, all is evidence for the conspiracy. I'm not going to fall into that at this point, I've seen enough that says to me, I am not understanding why these different things took place, if indeed they took place, as they are being alleged. And it certainly needs to be investigated. And we've since learned uh, about a number of different officers involved with the Capitol Police, Capitol Police officers who have been suspended and uh, are being investigated for their roles. And we already know it's not within the realm we beyond the realm of reality that Capitol Police uh, acted at least some people incorrectly during this, and it must be investigated how far this goes. I I think that that's roughly and I know that many of you wish I could be more definitive about this. That's basically my thought about it at this point in time. The allegations are troubling. And if they are true or even part of them are true, there's quite a bit of explaining that needs to be done. We will continue following it upcoming is absolutely no surprise to anybody. Donald Trump is issuing a directive that his lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, not be paid for his work. Uh, on election fraud, so-called election fraud for Donald Trump. And this is not um, surprising to anybody. There are still questions as to whether Trump was completely serious or only partially serious when he said this. But it's it's sort of ironic in a sense, because at the very beginning of all of this, we heard, oh, Rudy Giuliani is billing 20 grand a week to fight this completely fruitless, pointless, bogus fight uh, over so-called voter fraud for Donald Trump. But just because he wants 20 grand a week, a day, just because he submits a bill for 20 grand a day to Donald Trump doesn't mean that he's going to get necessarily paid. And we suspected that because Donald Trump has a very, very long history of not paying his vendors. And we've heard before from would be or former Trump lawyers that they want clients who pay their legal bills. And so now, uh, once again, apparently irritated with being impeached a second time, which happened two days ago and we discussed it yesterday. Donald Trump has told people stop paying Rudy Giuliani's legal fees. Um, Trump I, I actually don't really even know what the connection is that Trump believes exists between him impeached a second time and Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani was fighting the bogus fight that Trump hired him to fight and Rudy Giuliani did speak and talk about trial by combat at that completely misguided rally on Wednesday morning on January 6th. Uh, But it was really Trump who said, let's go to the Capitol and incited that riot. So I don't even know. I don't even understand the connection between Trump being irritated with Rudy over the second impeachment. But as we know, Donald Trump is unable to take any responsibility himself and blames people around him. And uh, the reports are that he's blaming a lot of people in his inner circle, including Rudy Giuliani and others for the predicament he finds himself in. And at a certain point, it may be as simple with Trump as I blame them because they didn't prevent me from doing the things I did and saying, even though I did them, it's really someone else's fault because someone else I hired other people to prevent me from getting into this kind of trouble. I don't know. Uh, Trump campaign senior advisor Jason Miller sort of said Trump is not soured on Giuliani. But when he was more directly asked, is Trump directing Giuliani not to be paid? Jason Miller did not deny that. He said, I just spoke with President Trump and he told me Rudy Giuliani is a great guy and a patriot who devoted his services to the country. We all love America's mayor, but no denial whatsoever of the allegation that Donald Trump is saying do not pay Rudy Giuliani. Uh, one other aspect of this, John Eastman is this conservative attorney. You might remember his name. We talked about him. I believe it's only once before on the show. John Eastman falsely told Trump, Mike, Pres- uh, uh, Mike, President, Vice Pence, Vice President Mike Pence uh, could block the certification of Joe Biden's win. That was not true. And we are now hearing rumors that John Eastman might join Donald Trump's legal team. What the point of a legal team is in the last five days? of the uh, presidency, I don't know, but these are just preliminary discussions. Uh, What would be the plan there? And this again would go towards this idea that Trump, if you can tell Trump what he wants to hear, you get yourself into his inner circle. And this is arguably why Trump's press secretary, Kayleigh McEnany, uh, has has lasted as long as she has lasted, because she has shown an unfettered, unmitigated, unmitigated willingness to repeat any lie for Donald Trump and to defend any action by Donald Trump, never ceding an inch, never conceding anything. And that's what Trump wants. And so now, reportedly, John Eastman has some ideas of things Trump could do what they are. I don't know. And there are rumors that with just five days left in Donald Trump's presidency, he may be joining. He may be joining Donald Trump's team for what uh, some are calling a a uh, challenging chapter. Yes, That is certainly an understatement. And Trump increasingly isolated and desperate to find anybody that will indulge his wackiest and wildest notions. We're down to just a few days, my friends, just a few days to go and then he will be gone, at least officially. Um, But we will see to what degree Donald Trump remains in the public eye. We have a great show for you today. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at D Pacman. We will take a break. And have a fantastic program for you coming up.
0: The David Pacman Show at davidpackman.com dot com.
1: Regardless of your workout, nutrition and diet goals, it is crucial to have the right amount of protein in your diet. And if you're supplementing with protein powders, you should be sure you have the powder that is right for you. And that's where our sponsor gainful comes in. Gainful offers customized protein. Based on your body type, diet, fitness habits, and goals. Their formulas are optimized for you with simple and effective ingredients, no fillers, gluten, soy, or anything artificial. And Gainful also gives you free, unlimited one on one access to your own registered dietitian, which is a great bonus you won't find anywhere else. And my favorite part is that gainful protein is never repetitive or boring because they will rotate the flavors you choose, like rich chocolate cookies and cream, chocolate, peanut butter, strawberry cream, cafe mocha. I took their quiz and they gave me protein tailored to my specific needs. Everything was quick and easy. I've been loving what they sent me. You'll get fifteen percent off your first month when you go to gainful dot com slash pacman. That's G A I N F U L dot com slash P A K M A N, and the link is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors is Hydrant, which is a delicious fruit drink powder that you mix into water for rehydration, and they're giving you 25 percent off your first order. It's made with four key electrolytes that the body needs powerfully supporting your hydration. Hydrant tastes great. It's made with real fruit juice. It's been a great part of my daily routine for a while now. Keeping myself hydrated puts me in a better mood. The body needs hydration for basic energy and focus, and hydrant is the perfect way to rehydrate, especially because it's cost effective and lower in sugar compared to all of those popular sports drinks that are out there. You really have to try it for yourself to see what I mean. It tastes great. They also have a variety called hydrant immunity packed with vitamins A, B, C and D, which is also very much worth trying. Hydrant has a full refund guarantee if you're not satisfied, and you'll get 25% off your first order when you go to drinkhydrant.com slash pacman or enter the code pacman at checkout. That's com slash pakman. Coupon code pacman. I've put the link in the podcast notes. The David Pacman show at davidpaman dot com. So we're getting down to the very, very end of Donald Trump's first and only presidential term. And we will be covering the inauguration next week. I know there are lots of people with many questions, thoughts, ideas about what we've been seeing. So let's hear from some of those folks via our discord server, which you can find at davidpackmancom slash discord. Let's start today with Val from San Diego. Hey, Val, what's going on? Hi. How are you?
5: Good. How can I, hi, is this uh, David?
1: Yes, this is David.
5: Oh wow, David. Um, So basically, I have a kind of easy question because I'm actually getting ready for work.
1: Oh, okay. I don't want to keep you.
5: No, no, it's okay. But um, also, if I talk too much, I tend to confuse myself. Okay. I want to keep it short. Please. So basically, um, my my question kind of came up to me when I was talking to someone close to me, and. Um, basically, they were talking about how they touched base with someone from Amazon, right? Can you okay. hear me well?
1: I can. Yeah, yeah. You can go right <laughs> into the question, even.
5: So basically, the, the that that person was telling me how they talked to an Amazon uh, patient, right? Um Amazon uh, customer service person, because they wanted to have like a ten dollars shipping refund, okay. and they explained to me the whole process of. like like how they chatted with the person and how basically they were able to give him the refund um, because he complained about the customer service. And what I was very, very surprised and shocked with was how at such a low type of... Well, people consider it low-level jobs. Some people do, but I consider customer service really important. But basically, some people... um, um basically what i thought was interesting was the fact that you can actually track a whole conversation down to one customer service representative, right? So they are now accountable for what they said, right? And i was thinking literally i think i told him i was like dude wouldn't it be amazing if like i could have that at my work so that i know that i didn't say anything mean to a patient so they could track it, you know? And if everyone had that sense of accountability, like the people who went into the capital, like it would be so much easier. I don't understand how someone from Amazon has to have way more accountability than the people who actually broke into somebody's place of work is essentially what happened.
1: Well, a lot of them are getting caught because they ended up on camera and they ended up recorded. But but you're making a good point, which is that the default and part of this, unfortunately, is because of surveillance capitalism, as described by Shoshana Zuboff, who who we talked about. I don't know that we should be cheering about the the level of uh, of data collection that you describe Uh with Amazon, although certainly they're going to have transcripts of customer service. But how are we getting away without more of it at the Capitol? And fortunately enough, people were recording things that people are getting caught, arrested and charged.
5: Yes, exactly. But to me, what's shocking is. Not shocking, but it's like interesting for us to know, you know, how in America or the United States of America, how it's possible that someone who has like most of the time an Amazon employee doesn't have this huge education, you know, how is it possible that someone with low education probably is working just to make ends meet, you know, someone like that. How can they be have way more responsibility and get in more trouble than some people? You know, like that. I feel. Yes, like we really I think you're absolutely right,
1: things. Val. There are definitely some uh, inconsistencies there in terms of uh, in terms of accountability. Val, I appreciate the call. I hope to hear from you again. Uh, why don't we go next to Eric from Texas? Eric, you're on the air.
6: Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right. So I want to know pardon me um as a new generation enters politics, what would they bring to the political sphere
1: i I don't know i mean that's that's up to them right i that's a hard question yeah. to answer i mean i think uh, the uh, can can you say more i i, I don't i don't know i'm not, i'm not sure yeah, i don't know yeah, which gener- generation you're referring to
6: yeah like generation z and millennials
1: yeah yeah I mean, listen, I think that uh, we for a very, very long time in the House, Senate, in law at the state level, we had a lot of folks making law related to technology who didn't totally understand a lot of those same technologies. Uh, There's these child porn examples from when Mm -hmm. there were people who didn't even really understand it making the law and then it led to bizarre loopholes. And, you know, that's just a kind of one little example. I do think Mm -hmm. that as our lawmakers more and more are the people that grew up with the technologies that kind of govern much more of our society, that we are going to see that Taken uh, much more seriously, and you know, Lindsey Graham, I remember at one point was on the technology committee or something, telecommunication. I don't remember what it was, and he had never sent an email in his life. Like that, just that's crazy. That doesn't make sense. It's a joke. We become a joke, you know. So I think that's certainly uh, something that that will be different. I also think it's going to be increasingly a generation that it's not a generation of socialists, but it's a generation that grew up more open to different sort of economic infrastructures and ideas and I think that that will also bring a very different approach. I totally agree. Yeah. All right All my well. friend, thank you so much for the call. Great uh, great question. We're taking calls via discord at slash discord Let's go next to um, where are we going next? There's just so many interesting folks wanting to get on. Why don't we go to Shane from Victoria, Canada, Shane, you're on the air. Shane from Victoria, Canada, you're on the air. I I hear you in the background there, Shane, did you want to talk to me? All right, so Shane is gone. Let's go instead to Tyler from St. Louis. Tyler, you're on the air.
7: Hello, David. Um, so, I don't know exactly the subject of everything, but uh, I was wondering: is there anything to the arguments that uh, universal healthcare would lead to lower quality of healthcare? Well, that's what I tend to hear, but I never so actually the explained. Um, never explained causal relationships there.
1: The best, the best I've, the best stuff I've read about this. Is uh, from the late Uwe Reinhardt, who wrote that basically imagine a triangle. You, uh, you're familiar with a triangle, I'm sure, and you know that it has three corners. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. The three corners of healthcare are cost, quality, and access. And that no matter what system you support, you are basically picking a midpoint between those three. So, for example, if you want to make it really cheap and give it to everybody, uh, quality is going to go down. Now, it could still be better quality than we have, and we might still be spending more You know, like we spend a lot. So this is just theoretical. I'm building the theoretical framework. So if you want to give it to everybody and make it cheap, there's going to be some sacrifice in terms of quality, all else being equal. If you want to make it cheap and really good, then to some degree you have to restrict access. You understand. So everything is kind of a balancing act. And so when we talk about universal health care, if you want it to be universal um, and you want it to be really good, it's just going to be more expensive. Now, a lot of people will hear me say this and they'll say, David, that's not true. Look at how much we spend on medical billing and there's profit motive. And then there's all these levels of bureaucracy and then because some people don't have health insurance, hospitals raise prices and make them artificially high. That's all completely true. That's absolutely and completely true. The I'm just saying all else being equal, if you want to make it high quality and available to everybody, it's going to cost some money and it may be it may be a reasonable amount of money. For example, I would be okay with it being expensive if we've actually eliminated all of the waste And the bureaucracy and all of these things. It's just as a decision as a society that we have to make. And so that's the sort of triangle you have to think of. It's all just picking a point between those three corners and saying here is where we want to be.
7: Okay. Uh, thank you. And uh, by the way, if you ever end up in St. Louis, make sure to try St. Louis style pizza.
1: Is that a thing or is that a joke? Well, it's a
7: thing. It's really good.
1: What what's what are the characteristics?
7: so it has its own we have our own cheese called provel okay and it's like uh, it's like a mix of provolone and swiss and american cheese hmm. um people say it's an acquired taste but i don't know i've always liked it and well then i'm the, up for trying it yeah and then it's cut it's cut into squares and Ooh, i don't um, know about that I don't it's know got a that. very <laughs> it's got a very thin like cracker like crust
1: OK. All right. Well, yeah. If I uh, Next time I'm in St. Louis, I will check that out. All right. See ya. All right, my friend. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Let's go to um, I think this is either Alexa or Alexander or Alexandra in Los Angeles. Alex in Los Angeles, you're on the air. And Alex, Alexandra, whoever is gone. Let's go to William in Vegas. So William in Las Vegas, Nevada, you're on the air. William in Las Vegas, Nevada, please unmute yourself and then you'll be able to talk to me. All right, no William in Vegas there. Very, very interesting. Let's go to JoJo in either Austin or Australia. I just see it says AUS. Is it Austin, Texas or Australia? No oh boy. Austin slash Australia, you're on the air. No dice there. Let's try Jason from Montreal. You are on the air.
6: Hello, David. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Doing pretty good. Um, so I've been a fan for multiple years. I love your show. You've been doing a wonderful job at covering everything in U.S. politics. You're Thank honestly you. my go-to show. Pleasure. Um, just wanted to uh, make a few points here, basically. So uh, Republicans say they're pro-life, basically, but they're anti-universal health care, anti-living wage, anti mass, pro-war, anti-climate change. So basically, they, they're against taking any action to sustain our planet past our current generation. So other um, than
1: banning abortion for you're forgetting that they're they're they do want to ban abortion. Yeah,
6: definitely. So I always thought it wouldn't be wouldn't it be easier for Democrats to show how they're more pro life than Republicans by saying how they're easier, how they're for easier access to higher paying jobs, reducing magic, massive wage disparity, and conserving existing life. Uh, Same could be applied with universal uh, with UBI, basically. So. <laughs> I mean, it seems like an easy point to be arguing in U.S. politics, to be honest. But you of course, are as you know, so many one hundred and ten are- percent
1: correct. You're one hundred and ten percent correct. And it just has not worked now, whether it hasn't worked because Democrats are terrible at messaging or it hasn't worked because it's not as pithy. Uh, but Republicans, George Lakoff has written about this a lot. Republicans have been winning the messaging war. You are completely right. What is pro-life about a Republican platform? Pro-life just means anti-abortion. But in terms of extending and improving life on the planet, it is it is not I don't even want to make it about party. It is not the right that is for those things. You're completely right. And due to a combination of Republicans getting getting being early to the game of the messaging, And Democrats being terrible at messaging, it's it's proven more difficult than what you're suggesting. But you're completely correct,
6: definitely. And I just wanted to make another point here, basically. Uh, So my girlfriend, about two summers ago, uh, got um, got pneumonia. Basically, in the middle of summer, she could barely walk without being out of breath. Yeah, Uh, she's had respiratory issues ever since she was born. So uh, we managed to get to a hospital uh, she was plugged into a ventilator, ventilator on and off for about three hours. And we left basically with a prescription for additional pumps and a temporary one costing about $80 Canadian, which is absolutely nothing. Um, so w- without, of course, any out of pocket costs, I can't imagine how much this would have cost in the U.S. Basically, so.
1: <laughs> you don't want to know. You don't <laughs> want to know. It would have been certainly thousands and thousands of dollars.
6: Definitely. It's really scary. Well, th- thank you very much, David, for, for taking my call. I really appreciate it. And uh, have yourself a wonderful day.
1: My pleasure. Great to hear from you. Let's take a quick break. If you're holding, don't hang up because I'm going right back to viewer and listener calls right after this short break.
0: The David Pacman Show at davidpacman.com.
1: You may not have known this, but when you see me sitting here on the show, I am often wearing shirts by a company called Teddy Stratford. I asked them to be a sponsor because they are by far my favorite shirts that I own with almost all other slim fit button up shirts I've worn. You get this annoying stretched out gap in the chest where the buttons are, which does not look good. But what makes Teddy Stratford shirts unique is this patented zipper that's hidden underneath the buttons, which actually prevents the chest from looking weird and stretched out like that. It looks really good. And just all around, they cut the entire shirt in a specific way that makes your upper body look a lot better. It's just a much nicer and more stylish fit than you get from other shirts and they hand make everything with 100% egyptian cotton and flat felled seams which means it's going to be a lot more durable than other shirts and last a lot longer which i really love go check them out at davidpackman.com/teddy the link is in the podcast notes and they'll give you 15% off your first order if you use the coupon code packman at checkout that's p a k m a n this episode is sponsored by blue chew. One of the things I make a priority on the show is not to perpetuate stigma for things that don't deserve it. We've talked about mental health. We've talked about many things where we should all just be respectful adults period and we would be better off and blue chew can increase performance and give you that extra confidence you may be looking for blue blue like the color blue is the first chewable with the same FDA approved ingredient as in Viagra and Cialis. It can be taken day or night, even on a full stomach since it's chewable. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed doctors. You don't have to go to a doctor's office. You don't have to wait in line at a pharmacy. It ships right to your door in a discreet package. They're made in the USA. And since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, it's cheaper than a pharmacy and best of all, no more awkwardness. We've got a special deal for our viewers and listeners. Go to BlueChew.com. Get your first shipment free when you use our promo code Pacman. That's P a K M a N pages $5 shipping. That's B L U E chew.com promo code Pacman to try it totally free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice and we thank them for sponsoring the David Pacman show. Welcome back to the David Pacman Show. All right, we're continuing to hear from people via Discord at David slash Discord. Let's go uh, next to uh why don't we go? Oh, I don't know. There's just so many interesting locations. Let's go to Sean from San Antonio, Texas next. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can.
2: Hey, uh, David. Uh, Yeah, just got into you here about a year ago. Um, But I did have a question is that uh, I just yesterday I I have a roommate here that we're both on kind of different political ends of the spectrum. Okay, And I'm starting to go and uh, kind of get some like whispers of different, you know, farther right kind of cue stuff. And I kind of had to go and actually sit down with her and kind of have like a discussion of like, hey, like, so what's going on and try to meet (laughs) in the middle If that makes sense. I don't Um, know
1: how you meet in the middle with Q stuff, but it sounds like you were kind of trying to stage an intervention (laughs) of sorts, which is good.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to understand it more. And and what I kind of ran into as the circumstance uh, yesterday was kind of the situation where um, I was kind of wanting to at least have the the conversation because it kind of got to the point of uh, she was so emotional that she was like crying, kind of like why is this happening? And kind of having like anger and disgust of of what's happening in the country. But wait a second. um, We need
1: to clarify that, because if you're talking about a cue, was she crying because they stole it from Trump or was she crying because there were violent riots incited by Trump?
2: Oh, well, I I mean, the the specific thing that she brought up was that um, the media is going and saying that Antifa or that. Oh, no. wait, What was is that Antifa was the one that actually went and stormed the capital.
0: Okay, OK, OK. And
2: and, and, and I kind of just let that one go because I'm, I'm not going to I'm, I'm having to live with this person.
1: Yeah, um, <laughs> completely delusional, but you can't do anything about it.
2: Yeah. And, and so but but with that um, circumstance, the, the situation I ran into was that they um, wouldn't want to engage. And, and I understand that we're not going to be able to kind of meet in the middle as we were talking. But yeah. Um, what would you say in going and, um, deprogramming the, the conversation to get people to start understanding that, like, you know, that this is what happens in life. Like I, I, I had to go and live with a kind of a crazy four years, the last four years. And, you know, you, you didn't have your side win and that's kind of what it is. And, and we kind of need to make it past that. But uh, I, I, I wish
1: I was looking I knew. for suggestions. I mean, unfortunately. The the Q stuff, you know, some of these people are so far gone that I mean, listen, think back to the Jim Jones cult. Were you going to be able to just pull someone aside and say, hey, you know, this is pretty wacky. You should quit. Obviously, that's not going to work. There's a level of radicalization and and uh, a true belief as they see it. I don't know what the I really do not know when someone is in that deep. I feel like you almost have to say. We're this person is lost and maybe we'll get lucky and something will happen by chance to change their mind. But let's mm-hmm. focus on fixing education, culture and media literacy to prevent someone from even being susceptible to this in the first place, because I don't know how you de radicalize someone that someone like your roommate. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's definitely a, a work work in progress or at least trying to go and keep some civility um, yeah. but with that in the switch to change. is that. Um, What would you have as guidance towards going and kind of enacting or being more a part of that change, if that makes sense? Because I'm now, with kind of everything that's been going on, been getting more kind of into it, but I'm still kind of, I guess, looking for the next right steps to go and start pushing towards agendas that are a little more in the positive for people.
1: There's no shortage of ways to get involved if you want to get involved Mm -hmm. with education. I mean, it depends how local you want to go. But you I mean, there's so many ways to affect positive change in our communities. Get involved in local races when there's a candidate that you believe in and that you think is going to make the changes that you you want to see. If you think that Mm -hmm. part of the problem we have is the electoral vote, get involved in pushing the national popular vote interstate compact. If you want to focus on Uh, get no longer filling up prisons with nonviolent drug offenders. You can get involved with uh, Mm -hmm. drug policy. I mean, there's you have to there's so much you just have to figure out first where you can't focus on everything. Figure out what you what is most important to you and then figure Mm -hmm. out how to get involved in that specifically.
2: Got it. Well, I appreciate it, David. You have a great rest of your day.
1: My pleasure. You as well. Uh, Great that so many people want to get involved. That's uh, that's that's the start for sure. Let's go next to Fran from Philly. Fran from Philly, you're on the air. Hello. Yes, you're on the air. Okay.
4: Yeah. um, Big Canada
1: show. I've been watching for a few months now, up until the. Okay. So my Fran, in order for me to hear you, you're gonna have to figure out if there's a piece of paper or a banana or a shirt sleeve rubbing up against your microphone or what it is, because every time you talk, it, it we just can't hear you can you hear me now? Yeah, that's much better.
4: Okay. Okay. So I just wanted to get, I just wanted to get in, into this thing I saw on Twitter. Okay. So this, this guy named Eric Fernandez, he has a, he has a long Twitter thread going on and he's basically saying that members of Congress are colluding. No, he's basically saying that members of Congress colluded with um, the terrorists. For example, um, Ayanna Presley said that her panic buns were were removed for, were removed from her office, and Clyburn also that his unmarked office was looted, but right. his marked office um, remained untouched. Right. So, so
1: let me explain that second thing so yeah. people know. Uh, yeah. Congressman Clyburn says he believes that there was some inside job aspect to what took place mm-hmm. because he has two offices. He has his office. That is his office as as congressman with his name on it. And then he has an unmarked office where I believe he's the majority whip where he works as majority whip and that only insiders would know about the unmarked office and the location. Otherwise they would just go to the one with his name on it. I've, I've seen that. I don't know the truth of it. I, that I want to be clear that a lot of this stuff is being asserted. And if if these things are true, there have to be answers. I don't know. And I want to be careful about asserting things that I don't yet know more about. But you're right. These these allegations are being made.
4: Yeah. So how do we move on from this if um, these things would have been true? How do we um, come together with the Republicans?
1: I mean listen, I I hate yeah. to say this but I don't know that there's any coming together with the current Republicans. I it's it's terrible just to have to say it that way, but how is this Republican party that it either is Trumpist or stood aside while Trump destroyed the country because they decided it was best for them? How how do you work with them? I do, I don't I don't know. I don't know that it's possible sadly. I wish I had something more optimistic to say. Thank you so much. My pleasure, friend.
4: Sh- 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 my call. Thank you.
1: A depressing call, uh, but an important call, certainly. Uh, let's go to Isaac from Ohio next. Isaac from Ohio, you're on the air. Oh, God. Hello. How are you? Good.
8: What can um, I do for you? So, uh, forgive me if this is completely incorrect because I've not taken a single economics class or anything. Okay. But. <clears throat> Uh, I know that you're, you're like a social Democrat. You're not in favor of like full blown socialism. Right. But, um, I came up with an idea a little while back. What if, um, instead of like outlawing like capitalism to go to socialism, because that would be too complicated. It's like, I don't, I don't know. What if we take, um, what if we like defined, uh, like wage slavery properly okay. and outlawed that, like you couldn't just like the common practice of just hiring someone, paying them a flat rate for their labor where they have no ownership of their workplace, mm-hmm. if we like at least gave workers some ownership of their workplace in all cases. That, so you're that, saying that, that was be kind system. of
1: some kind of law that says every employee must be given partial ownership of their place of employment. Yeah. I don't see how you get that done legally. I mean, I I don't I don't even know that it's I I think that the way to do it. So that would be a very authoritarian imposition. And uh, check out my interview with the uh, with the YouTuber Vosh, who is a socialist. But he said that the way that as he sees it, the way you're going to implement these things is going to be by convincing businesses and others that it's a good idea for them to do it rather than imposing it as law that that I, I hope I'm not wrong in summarizing his perspective that way. But even he said that the types of things you're talking about are very authoritarian and, and would essentially be uh, uh, dead ends. Um, and, and I think that he's probably right about that. I think what you're suggesting would be very would, would essentially be impossible to do. You, you would just be saying you, you would be mandating you are trying to force companies to do things that there's no legal basis to force them to do. It's less about yeah. economics. It's more about the law.
8: OK, you're just yeah. you're not particularly against something like that. You're just saying it's not um, realistically possible It's you would.
1: So as a so as a Social Democrat, I'm not in favor of what you're describing. But for me, it's not even really the main issue because it's just you are you're not going to get it done in the in the way where there's just a law passed and it says all employees are now owners.
8: Yeah. Well, I'm not trying to make it that simple. Like what if if uh, we say like the lowest tier of workers have to own like at least 20 percent of the entire company collectively? Like, is is that something that could work or?
1: I don't see. How, I don't see how you get it passed. I mean, I think the, the the more important thing would be to for you to think about this less as an economic thing, but more as a. How do you how do you get what is the legal structure where you could do that, where government could do that? Is it federal and is it state? And if it's one versus the other, how do you actually do it? And I, I just don't see it. I think I, if I were you, I would focus on how you get it done rather than whether it's a good idea. I just don't see how you ever how you ever get that done.
8: Oh, yeah, yeah, I see. That's
1: a really good point. No. All, right, All right, my friend, well, though, I appreciate the call. Yeah, thank you. All right. Pleasure. Uh, let's take a couple of others because there are Many people, many, many people who want to chat. Uh, why don't we try? Um, let's go to. Is it Jan from Norway? Jan from Norway?
9: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Are you good, safe?
1: Yeah, yeah. Are you in Oslo or where are you?
9: Well, I'm about. Uh, one and a half hours drive away from us now, So
1: OK. Yeah. How much yeah. Uh, how many hours of sunlight a day do you get right now?
9: Mm, well, during COVID, I, if I like look out the window, I get some. But uh, <laughs> no, no,
1: I no. I mean, not not you personally. I yeah, mean, where I you are.
9: Realize, yeah, yeah, no, we have <laughs> I was just joking. We have like uh, six to seven hours, I think. Now. OK.
1: All right. But,
9: yeah. No, I was just wondering, like, um, because looking looking at the situation from Norway, like, how um, how do you think you can, like, fix, um, like, uh, reclaim your integrity? Do you think it's enough? <laughs> do, you, uh, do you think it's enough, like, trying to put uh, Trump in his place? Because I I can see it, like, even if you don't manage to impeach him or, like, Giving giving him some um, some larger uh, rep, uh, repercussions. Yeah, just trying that will send a, a really good signal. Like it's a good signal, just trying to impeach him, right? But do it you it, think
1: it you, is? Um, if, if he's not convicted, you're saying, listen, I think the rehabilitation of the United States is partially going to happen from just having Joe Biden and the return of actual diplomatic uh, uh, taking diplomacy seriously. I really do think that many countries are eager to get back to a normal relationship with the U.S. So I think just having Joe Biden back and a proper diplomatic corps and ambassadors, I think that will be a big piece of it. But I don't think that will be enough. I think the U.S. is going to have to become a leader on coronavirus and and uh, to to regain some of the respect that we lost under Donald Trump. I think the United States is going to have to figure out. You know, Trump bailed on the Iran deal for no reason. Iran didn't break any of the rules during the deal. The U.S. is going to have to figure out how to regain credibility there. So I think that it will partially happen under Biden just because Biden will be normal. But I think that there is still work to do. I don't think it will ultimately be about whether the Senate convicts Trump on impeachment.
9: No, no, no. But just sending the signal and yeah. trying, that's that's uh, yeah, thank I agree. you, man.
1: My pleasure. Jan from Norway. All right. Make sure you're getting that uh, vitamin D there. Um, thanks to everybody who called. I am out of time for today, but I will take calls again in the future.
0: The David Pacman Show at DavidPacman.com.
1: One of our sponsors is Four Sigmatic, the company best known for their delicious mushroom coffee. Four Sigmatic's mushroom coffee is organic. Fair Trade single origin Arabica coffee with both lion's mane and Chaga mushrooms. Chaga mushrooms have actually been shown to have potential in supporting the immune system in peer reviewed studies. I've been drinking four sigmatic coffee a lot lately. It actually doesn't taste anything like mushrooms. It just tastes like any delicious coffee. But it's really easy on my stomach doesn't give me any jittery feeling or a midday crash. And they have over 20,000 five star reviews. And best of all, if you don't love it, you'll get 100 percent of your money back because they stand behind their product. You've got nothing to lose by giving it a try. Four Sigmatic is giving my audience up to 40 percent off and free shipping when you go to four slash Pacman. That's F.O.U.R.S.I.G.M.A.T.I.C. dot com slash P.A.K.M.A.N. The link is also in the podcast notes for this episode. I want to take a second to tell you about one of our sponsors, SNH masks, SNH masks has everything you need when it comes to face masks and other protective gear for COVID-19. And they're giving my audience 20 percent off SNH masks is the company that I've personally been going to for face masks. I love and trust the products they sell. And that's actually why I reached out to them about being a sponsor. I've tried tons of different face masks this year, like many of you, and i still have not found a mask that is more comfortable or easier to breathe in than the washable cotton masks that they sell it's made of a silky lightweight cloth that feels great on the skin has a convenient adjustable strap they also have disposable cloth masks which are really comfortable as well as all of the other gear like face shields alcohol wipes no touch infrared thermometers and all of their prices are very reasonable i also love snh masks because they've donated over 60,000 masks to healthcare institutions, they're an excellent company. Shipping is just 5 bucks and shipping is free on orders over $150. You can get there by going to davidpackman.com/mask. The link is in the podcast notes and you can save 20% on everything in their store when you use coupon code DAVID. The David Pacman Show at com. Okay, uh, let's get into audience questions for the week, many of them related to the really tragedies that we observed in the United States over the last week and a half. First question David, we have the biggest military and most militarized police in the world. Why couldn't the Capitol Police keep rioters out? What the hell happened? And this is a question that became an important one very quickly uh, after we as we were witnessing the events of January 6th, the riotous insurrection fomented by President Donald Trump. And it is true. The government spends hundreds of billions on defense, on the military, Department of Defense, Pentagon, Department of Homeland Security on and on and on. How is it possible that you ended up with a situation where a mob breaches the Capitol? The vice president and members of Congress are are there. S- Secret Service and other evacuations and and the within minutes, this mob, I mean, we were watching it and it wasn't very long after the debate started into the objections over Arizona that the mob had overrun the building and people needed to take shelter and on and on. So. There are two big picture answers and we'll dig into each of them. One big picture answer is they didn't understand the scope of the threat. The other big picture answer is they understood the scope of the threat and chose not to be more prepared. And there's. A sort of more benign, uh, at least as motives go, explanation for that and the more conspiratorial one. So let's start with the most conspiratorial because I'm not going to spend a lot of time of it absent evidence. And the conspiratorial version would be everybody knew exactly what was going to happen. And the reason police weren't prepared is because police slash whoever is in power were in on a plan to allow this to happen. For whatever reason to make someone look good or to make someone look bad or to suggest a, a pretext for Trump to declare martial law. That's the conspiratorial conspiratorial one. police were in on it. And so far, I've not seen evidence of that. Um, don't attribute malice when incompetence adequately covers what we've seen. So then we get to the Capitol Police didn't know what to expect versus they knew what to expect and just didn't didn't prepare enough there are reports about the Capitol Police rejecting some federal offers for help, both in advance of and in the moment of what was going on. It still has to be investigated. And if it's true that Capitol Police rejected further offers of help, then that's a disaster and it has to be investigated. Why did leadership refuse the help? What are the explanations? And that needs to be looked at. And then the other side of it would be, they simply didn't realize the risk that was posed and they were caught unprepared. And that also requires an investigation because we're talking about securing the capital when the vice president is going to be there at a time crucial to American democracy. So either way, it would be a failure. We just have to have to figure it out now from a very you know, logistical rote perspective. Um, a lot of this has to do with lack of uh, enough perimeters. And, you know, there's just crowd control stuff. Like, I don't know if people are looking for an answer that's very specific to crowd control. But when you have such a large crowd, it has to be managed earlier. It is true that Trump hesitated. And ultimately, it seems it was even Mike Pence who sent the National Guard once things were going on. It is true that it took a while for State troopers from Virginia and others show up to show up. That's all true, but the reality is it's already too late at that point uh, to try to retake control of a scene when it has already degenerated to what it had degenerated at that point in time by 1:40, 1:50 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday. It's too late. Uh, large crowds of protesters have to be managed earlier. The Capitol should have been surrounded and secured earlier with multiple perimeters, and in addition to that. The crowds should have been directed even when they were blocks away, they should have been redirected. And that that's the only way you can manage and direct a crowd that large because it didn't happen. The protesters were able to start congregating in large groups already close to the Capitol. And then you had another failure, which was, as we saw, the barriers breached still, you know, kind of far from the Capitol. At that point, the number of officers left on the Capitol steps was too small to control what was happening. And so the perimeter was pushed further back. So some of the analyses we've seen are that it was completely unthinkable not to have multiple layers of police cordons on the outskirts of the complex and even further out fences and barricades. There were some, but they're useless unless you're properly directing the crowd. You have to start making arrests early. Very importantly, understand that when the first people started battling with the officers at the barriers near the Capitol, yes, there weren't nearly enough officers and yes, they never should have been that close in groups that large. But nobody got arrested. And you could say, well, the police were overwhelmed. How can they start arresting people right away? It's fair. It was all completely mismanaged. But one of the things you want to do is you need to start making the arrests early. You need to immediately target the people that seem most violent. Some of the people that were earliest, most violent on video, they stuck around for hours and eventually made it into the Capitol. So everything, everything that happened was was done wrong. By the way, I'm speaking in defense of the officers in the sense that early there were people already being violent with the officers, hitting them with the barriers themselves. The people being violent with officers need to be arrested right away. And and they weren't. So everything went wrong. The motives and explanations, we still don't know. But from a logistical crowd control standpoint, everything went wrong in the sense that none of the stuff that should have been done was done. And we'll learn more about it, I'm sure. In two months when some report is published that nobody will see, but we'll pay attention for and we'll take a look at. David, what do you believe the consequences will be to the Trumpist coup insurrectionist riot? So it's still too early to know. But for me, the questions are, what will be the consequences for Trump and the Republican Party? I'm going to deal with that in a second segment because that requires much more time on its own. What will be the consequences for the rioters? What will be the consequences for the country and what will be the consequences for Joe Biden, who's about to be sworn in in the midst of absolute insanity. So for the rioters, it's quite simple. This now becomes a law enforcement operation. Um, the rioters need to be identified and they need to be arrested, tra- processed, charged and get them into the justice system and start working through uh, what what is going on. Many of them already have. We've started to see, you know, collections of Trumpist mugshots be put together. And these are folks who should be dealt with seriously. We already talked about how how would this have gone differently? Were this a group of black protesters, Antifa, Black Lives Matter? It would have been dramatically different from the start. Well, we're beyond that. Now the question is, how is the justice system going to deal with these folks? And we need to uh, see that process through And for the rioters. Listen, many of them are many of them have lost jobs. Lawmakers have resigned. Um, We have seen people uh, ostracized by communities. We've seen um, all sorts of different things. You know, a lot of people get their lives ruined via interactions with police that never even should be police interactions here. Some people are going to get their lives ruined or at least temporarily ruined. Uh, because they made really bad decisions and did did horrible things. And so that's that's the the path forward for the rioters. For the country, I had a segment on Monday about this. And we're really at a precipice. We shouldn't understate, you know, I said this when we were voting Hillary versus Trump in 2016. Anybody saying Trump, Hillary, it's the same. Anybody saying, ah, I don't really know that in practical terms it's much of a difference. They were wrong. And we were talking about the importance of that decision four years ago. And likewise, we are either going to see the country recognize that even though we're not all on the same page politically, that what happened over the last 10 days goes beyond politics and that it cannot be allowed in any way. It can't be allowed in our communities at a microcosm level. Uh, It can't be allowed at the federal level, at the state level, that this this is not valid politics and that would be the ideal thing. And as I said, it's going to require some Republicans to say, I don't like what Trump Uh, how Trump did his presidency. I am for things like low taxes, low regulation, et cetera, that are typically more Republican things. I don't see them in Joe Biden, but Joe Biden is the president and we have to come together and simply respect that. It doesn't mean we don't disagree when Joe Biden does something we don't like. And that applies to us on the left as well. That's one path forward. The other path forward is that this type of riotous insurrection becomes unfortunately more common and considered valid politics by too many people. And it's a very dangerous precipice. So what what it means for the country, we will soon see. For Joe Biden, I I actually think that to some degree this has been good for Joe Biden. And I want to be really careful. There's never anything good in 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 practice from these riotous coup attempts or what we saw. But there is some degree to which I believe and hope more people than otherwise would be are better predisposed to the Biden presidency because it means Trump goes and that that has to happen. And so I think that Democrats could not possibly if you had said to Democrats, what can you come up with that would happen within two weeks of Biden swearing in that would best position Biden to get started? I don't think they could have come up with anything more beneficial than the Trumpist right completely humiliating itself. Now, I know. Lots of people liked what the Trumpist right did. There are millions of people who support what the Trumpist right did. But there are many, many Republicans who don't. And when it comes to the officials who said, oh, you know, I'm I'm quitting now. It's too little too late. Chris Christie, Lisa Murkowski, Betsy DeVos. It's too little too late, guys. You don't get to have your reputations rehabilitated. But for the presumably millions of Trump voters that are disgusted with what's going on, I believe their disgust will better position Joe Biden for his entry into office. And and that's my hope. Whether it will work out that way or not remains to be seen. Now let's talk about what this does to Trump and the Republican Party. What will be the effect of the Trump coup riot on the future of the Republican Party? And many of you asking me, is it the end of the Republican Party? This is not the end of the Republican Party, the Republican Party. And by that, I mean the Republicans that remain in the public eye. They uh, they they are not people of substance, OK? Lindsey Graham denounced Trumpism early in the 2016 Republican primary and then he embraced it and then he partially called out some of the things Trump did. But then he golfs with Trump and brown noses him all the time. And just in these last two weeks before Trump leaves, Lindsey Graham gave a sensible speech on the floor of the House during that joint session uh, in counting the ballots, saying, This has to stop. Joe Biden is president, blah, 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 blah. blah. And then within 48 hours was on Fox News pleading mercy for Trump, who did the right thing and shouldn't be impeached a second time. So these people are of no substance. These are weasels. Okay, Susan Collins in a less cartoonish way. How many times has she said, well, I'm disappointed in the president. I'm very concerned with the president. And then she never once votes to make anything change. So I expect that the Republican officials that survive this, some simply won't. The Republican officials that survive this are going to weasel their way out with some of the both sides stuff combined with I did denounce this one thing at this point. They're going to pay lip service as necessary. There's not going to be any real introspection. It will be just attacks on Democrats and liberals. And, you know, we're against violence type of thing. So the future of the Republican Party is going to be determined not by the Republican electeds. We know what they're going to do. It's going to depend on Republican voters. Now, when I say that, many of you will not be optimistic, and I understand why. Any party whose electorate can be bamboozled into choosing Trump in a primary and then voting for him 60 million, 60 something million people in 2016 and then 70 something million voting for him in 2020 after everything we saw. Yeah, I don't have uh, high expectations for those people either. But but um, there is a degree of this was too much that we are seeing among some Republicans. I'm not talking the QAnon insurrectionists that still to this day are saying Antifa did the riot. I'm not talking about them. They're probably beyond help. But I am talking about people who would be more in line with John McCain or Mitt Romney or, you know, even somebody like William Weld, the former Republican governor of Massachusetts, to go back a little bit. A lot of those folks see the difference between what they believe and what Donald Trump brought to the Republican Party. And while I don't expect them to be political allies in any real substantive way on policy, Uh, They may require some kind of bigger change within the party, the Republican Party, that uh, would prevent another Trump from happening again. I'm not super optimistic. I'm trying to give you the best case scenario. And I think it's simply too early to know it's, you know, uh, you, you don't know to say what's the damage when the when the hurricane is still happening is difficult. To say, uh, you know, if if on if on September 12th we had said, what is the full political impact of 9/11?" It would have been too early by that. We didn't know yet. Some of us, you know, we may be suspected that a war was coming, but we didn't know that the U.S. would go to war with the wrong country on September 12th. It, would, it was too early. So to some degree, it's just too early. But I'm giving you some sense of what the best case scenario might be. Uh, we will be here with you next week. For the inauguration and swearing in of Joe Biden. Hopefully, not for any violence. I hope there isn't any. We are off on Monday, Martin Luther King Day. No show Monday, Martin Luther King Day. We'll be back with you Tuesday and then Wednesday live for the inauguration as well. I'll see everybody then. Enjoy the bonus show. Remember to sign up at joinpacman.com.